welcome to Myelopathy Matters, the official podcast for the charity myelopathy.org. Where we talk all things cervical myelopathy from the perspective of the professionals, the researchers and the people living with myelopathy. I'm Michelle Starkey, I'm a scientist and the director of myelopathy.org. And I'm Ben Davies, neurosurgeon, scientist and co-founder of myelopathy.org. episode we introduce you to AO Spine Recode DCM, a consensus process to improve research efficiency in myelopathy, including a process to identify the top research priorities. Over the next few months, we will focus specifically on each question in turn. But in today's episode, we provide an overview of the project as an introduction to this special series. So hello and welcome to the Myelopathy Matters podcast in advance of our special series in association with AO Spine, where we'll be covering the output of the AO Spine Recode DCM project as we set upon the next task of making sure everyone is aware of those important research questions and the community at large can work to try and answer them. So today's episode really is going to provide some detail to what is AO Spine Recode DCM. It stands for Research Objectives and Common Data Elements for DCM. But its real aim is to try and produce a research toolkit which can arm individual researchers with some key information that can help their individual research prove more effective. This project has been jointly run by the University of Cambridge and AO Spine, which is part of the AO Foundation in Davos, Switzerland, which was founded in 1958. AO stands for Arbeitsgemeinschaft für Osteosynthesis Fragen which is German for Association for the Study of Internal Fixation. This project has been closely supported by myelopathy.org because, as we are going to hear, involving those living with the disease from around the world is fundamental to achieving its aims. This project is relevant to everyone involved with or interested in DCM. And to provide a little bit of background into the project, we started with a roundtable discussion. So today we're going to be talking to Mark Cotter, who is an academic spine surgeon at the University of Cambridge, a member of the AO Spine Spinal Cord Injury Knowledge Forum, and a founder of the charity myelopathy.org. He's also the chief investigator of Recode DCM. Hello, Mark. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Good, thanks. So I was wondering, Mark, whether you could introduce us a little bit to the wider concept of Recode. So tell us about it a little bit more in general. Yeah, sure. So Recode is a um, international initiative that brings together people with myelopathy, um, surgeons like myself, uh, doctors that are involved uh, in the treatment uh, of myelopathy uh, and healthcare professionals. Uh, and we all try to resolve some of the fundamental bottlenecks in this field um, that inhibits research. And those are really three key points. The first one is we want to find out what's important in terms of research, what the priorities are, um, so that, and make sure that uh, what we research, what the community researches is, is in alignment uh, with what people with myelopathy uh, expect and, and require and, and, and want. Uh, the second thing is 
make sure that the research is conducted in such a way that uh, it is robust, that it can be compared. Um, and um, here, the, the, the importance of data, you know, defining what kind of data needs to be collected uh, um, at every stage uh, becomes very important. And the third aspect is really something that's very particular to um, cervical myelopathy. What we found is that uh, there's so many different terms used right now to describe this condition. This includes, you know, spinal stenosis uh, and complex um, wordings such as spondylotic uh, cervical myelopathy, um, which all point to the same condition, but, you know, cause a lot of confusion. And from this perspective, it's quite hard to communicate your findings or your research or even the condition as such um, if you don't have a common language. That's really interesting, Mark. And I think what I've found so nice about the project is the fact that you're bringing so many different people from so many different disciplines together. Uh, yes, Michelle. I mean, the, the really important thing, um, if you want to be successful and make sure that everything's aligned, is to, to involve uh, everyone uh, that is, you know, um, dealing with uh, the problem of, of uh, that myelopathy poses. And of course, you know, the, the most important group are people that have uh, the condition, but uh, it's really important to bring up all the other sort of um, healthcare providers and even their supporters and carers uh, into the mix. And uh, it's often not that easy to tap into um, people uh, of, of the, with these diverse backgrounds. So I'm, uh, and what we've done, therefore, is we, we work with uh, myelopathy.org, who is a strong um, you know, voice uh, and a community that represents um, people with myelopathy. And uh, we also worked uh, with the EO Spine, which is one of the largest networks of um, spine surgeons, uh, actually the largest network of, of spine surgeons uh, um, that, that exists. Um, and I think those initiatives, um, if we bring these together, then um, we can increase the impact that we have with, with, um, with our results. And I'm sure with all those people involved, even, you know, with your experience in the field, did you learn um, stuff from these people? Was there things that came out that were surprising um, that were discussed or uh, findings that you had? That, that's a very good question, Michelle. Um, and, and the answer is yes. You know, every time uh, we, we bring people together and have discussions, um, there have been surprises in terms of the, the priorities uh, that uh, people uh, people want um, to be, you know, answered uh, with with regards to research, um, the and even also the sort of the ways of uh, um, how how you know myelopathy is perceived. One of the important things that we did uh, right at the start of uh, of this initiatives in preparation was to um, actually figure out uh, some of the symptoms. Uh, of, that myelopathy causes, and and I, I can I, I can remember um, that 
this opened up our minds um, because they seem to be much more complex um, and varied uh, than than in the textbook. So overall, you know, this um, whole initiative has let, um, was a huge learning experience uh, for myself uh, and I imagine for, for the others involved as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Having been involved in, you know, within another setting in a similar sort of process, I think it just makes the research stronger, um, especially when you've listened to people with lived experience of, you know, the things that matter to them. So, um, you know, I think this project is is really going to have such a massive impact uh, on the field in general and in specifically for people who are suffering with um, DCM. Okay, so I wonder whether you could give um, us a few more details about the priority setting partnership. So I'll ask uh, Ben to, to chip in at this point in time, but uh, of course, you know, uh, setting priorities in this country has has a strong tradition uh, and is spearheaded by an organization that's called the James Lind Alliance. Uh, and they've kindly agreed and helped us to formulate those uh, research priorities. Yeah, I, I think that's that, that's essentially it. So I think you know, I think Mark has touched on, you know, the role of prioritization is really to try and focus resources and efforts into to key questions that you can have a better chance of of answering them in a shorter time period. And there are of course lots of different ways that the tasks can be prioritized. But the the James Lind Alliance came about from the UK and has now broadened internationally on the basis that actually to set questions that that really matter and have a chance of really informing and changing clinical practice, you absolutely need to involve the people at the front line, which is both the healthcare professionals, but also the people living with the disease. And that's really their ethos and has become really core to their brand. And they've run, I think, over 80, 90 different uh, priority setting partnerships now all across the world. And, and integral to that process, which they've refined and developed, is, is that um, aspect and so the JLA really sets themselves up as um, somebody to kind of support um, priority setting partnerships in different diseases. And they appoint advisors to oversee and help facilitate and make sure the process is true to that, um, that goal. And coming back to that point um, um, that um, you made um, before, you know, the learning experience, just this interaction that we had uh, as part of the process um, and preparing our own clinical trials has a massive impact on how we look at our clinical trials, how we design them, and even what the main objectives are um, that we want to record. And essentially, you know, I now feel very passionately that clinical research needs to be developed in partnership and, and ideally instructed um, by, by the people that have that are suffering from that condition. Mm -hmm. No, I, I echo that. And I think this is obviously something that I've come across at a much earlier stage in, in my career, but it's certainly fully shaped what I've done over the last few years. And I think we'll touch a lot more in one of our special episodes really on on why involve people living with the disease in research and, and how you can involve them. Because I think there is, there's lots of different aspects. It's not just about targeting the question, but also in the delivery and how research is delivered. They have great, great roles and, and value that can really make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, Mark and Ben, whether you might be able to sum up the longer term vision for the project uh, for the listeners. Right. So if, uh, if once we've finished the project, uh, 
and uh, very much hope that we'll be um, continue to be as successful as we've been with our research priorities. Um, we hope we have defined and agreed upon a term uh, that can be used to describe the condition, not only in the research context, but hopefully also in the broader context so we can avoid some of the confusion that's happening right now. Um, we also want to inspire people, researchers, funders, um, etc. Everyone who is involved uh, in clinical research or basic science research to tackle the questions that matter to individuals with myelopathy. And thirdly, we wanted to have an agreed standard, a minimum standard of how those questions should be answered. So I was wondering, Mark, if you could tell us a little bit more about AO Spine, um, what the role of the AO Spine Spinal Cord Injury Knowledge Forum is, and why you think um, they chose to get involved in Recode DCM. So the AO Spine has its roots um, in Switzerland uh, when a couple of uh, surgeons came together uh, and wanted to change the way um, Fractures actually are treated, um, and they found um, so they they created this you know working group um, so which is A stands for working group uh, uh, osteosynthesis, which basically means fixing bones, uh, and this has um, created some very fundamental um, technologies and has really transformed the way we treat uh, you know orthopedic uh, and spinal conditions. They've uh, invented some of this. You know, instrumentation, uh, which really sort of moved the, the field forward, and it was always uh, meant to to be um, an, a, a non for profit organization um, that supports surgeons, and it's become a huge network uh, for uh, surgical training. Uh, so, a lot of the um, fellowships are sponsored by, or it runs some of the most important. Uh, um, learning courses um, and and because it's been very successful with regards to membership but also um, with regards to IP it was able to gather the resources um, to support a large community and focus uh, and focus these uh, not only on education but now more recently also on continuing the, the research uh, path um, that was at the, at the beginning. And in order to structure this better, um, it created the knowledge forums. Uh, those are really the, um, the key um, components that help to structure the strategy, but also um, in terms of defining um, important questions, uh, research questions, uh, and also to conduct actually research. So there are a few. One of them is the Knowledge Forum uh, Spinal Cord Injury, uh, which is chaired by um, Professor Brian Kwan. And I'm a member of the steering committee. And so spinal cord injury obviously, you know, includes um, cervical myelopathy. Uh, and so because we are tasked at defining what is important uh, and defining um, the sort of the next steps in terms of research that the EO spine itself sponsors, um, we've decided to broaden this 
and uh, and reach out to myelopathy or etc. Um, to to sort of answer those fundamental questions in a much with a much broader perspective. Just to add, I think you know this this project would have been a great struggle without the support of AO Spine, both both financially, but also in in their network and and reach. I mean, whilst you know from the UK ethos, it's accepted that the priority setting and and and, and the standardisation of data sets is essential. Most of the leading funding organisations now in the UK have stopped funding these processes, so it becomes quite difficult to get these things off the ground without the support of organisations like AO Spine. What a shame when, uh, you know, we've just discussed how important, you know, these types of projects are. Has AO Spine been involved previously with other priority setting um, projects or was this the first one that they did? Uh, this is, uh, to my knowledge, the first one. Uh, and we even introduced this idea to the AO. Mm-hmm. I think there have been some some of the other elements of the project, the the minimum data set, for example, I think um, there are other examples now. I don't know whether they came second or in parallel, but certainly this this approach, which is such a combination, really targeting you know those three uh, fundamental issues all in one go. I think that is certainly um, unique, unique to AO Spine, but also you know globally. It's quite unique, and uh, and actually, I would want to credit Ben here, who has really brought everything onto one under one hood. And I was going to say all the more important that, you know, you make sure that the uh, the information gets out there and, and people are following this podcast series to find out exactly what those findings were and what the recommendations were for the field, I think. OK, so getting down to specifics now, I was wondering, Ben, if you could tell us a little bit more detail about exactly how you derived the top 10. Um, what was the methodology you used and uh, what happened at the meeting that you had in New York? Yeah, thank you. So we essentially followed the James Lind uh, protocol, James Lind Alliance uh, protocol, which essentially is three phases. The first phase is to gather ideas and uncertainties, and and you do that with a very open-ended survey, uh, which we did our best to try and reach all the different stakeholder groups from from around the country. And essentially, we asked them, you know, what what are the research priorities, and a slight useful prompts that we broke it down into to diagnosis, treatment, long-term care, and other uh, as categories. And then all those ideas come come together and, and they're, they're reviewed and they're reviewed by an information specialist who in this project was Dr. Lindsay Tetro. And essentially she looks at all of those uncertainties and there were almost three and a half thousand different submissions from 429 people from 68 countries across 17 different um healthcare disciplines and essentially she looked at all of those and she started to to refine them there was a few that were out of scope perhaps didn't didn't make sense or were not related to myelopathy and then those core remainder then she started to group into themes or or or, or which you know questions that were similar to each other or overlapping ideas and she was able to refine that uh, down into what we call summary questions and uh, specifically she identified 77 uh, summary uh, questions and these questions were then reviewed by uh, the steering committee with input from what is out there in the evidence at the moment. And it was felt that a couple of those questions were actually already answered. Um, one of them was, what is the efficacy and safety of anterior versus posterior surgery in patients with uh, DCM? And the other was, what is the efficacy of surgical interventions for DCM? 
And also one of them was out of scope. And that question was, what is the optimal timing of treatment for individuals presenting with central cord syndrome? And that latter aspect was felt more closely to represent traumatic spinal cord injury as opposed to um, cervical myelopathy. So that left 74 uh, summary questions and they were put back out to that same community using a survey and people were asked to select their top 10. And um, that results then came back in from, from, from that group and, and were analyzed. And essentially what we decided to do was we had three key stakeholder groups in this. We had those living with the disease, we had the surgeons, and we had the other healthcare professionals. And we looked at trying to get a threshold from each of those separate groups in there, in what was the overall top tens to try and identify about 20 questions from that from that group and what we found is actually by having a threshold at the top seven that gave us about 20 questions and then we handed over to the steering committee who obviously quite a diverse background all of those different stakeholder groups represented but also leading experts in the disease and gave them the opportunity to to pick or promote some additional picks and the further six questions came into the mix so that gave us 26 questions which came together in a face-to-face consensus meeting which was conducted in New York um, at the end of uh, 2019. And that was quite a long process. Um, That involved people from the steering committee, but also external. It involved breaking down into small groups of of mixed stakeholder groups and and essentially working through those questions and trying to identify and distill what was the the most important. And at the end of that day, a a list of the the top 26 were were produced. And of course, within that, the, the top 10. Must have been quite an exciting process to be involved in, actually, Um, sort of seeing it all the way through from the beginning and seeing, you know, how certain themes were becoming more important, perhaps, than others or more frequent than others. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, there was lots of, I guess, sweat and tears at certain points, you know, you're getting against deadlines, you know, can we make this meeting, you know, things running behind, you know, have we got enough people engaged, all these sorts of challenges but i think certainly when it came together in in new york and i was simply observing and i've been too closely invested in the process really to to have a i guess um you know potentially unbiased view in in that final room so i was really just watching but it was it was fantastic and i think you know i think it was reflected in 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 the talk at the beginning of the day from from dr michael failings but also in the comments from others throughout that this was a really novel experience that mixing of of professionals and, and and people living with the disease and i remember at the beginning of the day, it was very much like one of those sort of school discos where girls are on one side, boys are on the other. So you had healthcare professionals on one side and, and the people with myelopathy on the other. But by the end of the day, total mix, very free conversation, discussion, debate. Uh, and and I, I think that the, the final 10 are something we should be really proud of. I think they really do reflect what are key, key questions in, in myelopathy and something that we really need to champion going forward. Yeah, I think that's really interesting how this sort of playing field was sort of levelled in a way. You know, you've got experts on either side, actually, those in the healthcare profession, but also those with lived experience. And actually, you know, for you both to see that you're experts in your own, you know, different uh, realms and, and the overlap there must have been really good. And obviously, you know, I'm coming from the side of the charity, so I, I can probably guess the answer to this. But how did people with the with DCM, how did they react to this experience and, and getting involved in, in the work that was going on in New York? So, I mean, my experience on the day uh, was hugely inspiring. Um, as Ben said initially, there were two groups and at the end of the day, we really sort of were one group. Uh, and at the, at the start of the day, we were sitting there and we felt 
that the task is far too far too big and that we wouldn't be able to actually achieve uh, what we set out to achieve. Bringing everyone together somehow also brought about an alignment uh, of, of, of minds. And, and so when the process began, it sort of started to take its own course. And people, you know, became very passionate arguing for one or the other research priority. Uh, and, and that passion was met with other passion uh, and a lot of respect. Um, and bef before the end of the day, we actually um, came together very proud, having, having really reached a consensus that I felt was very, very broadly um, supported across everyone who was in that room. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's absolutely right. And I know from the, the interviews that we conducted, I think it was um, Margot Miller who very emotively said, you know, I really felt my voice was heard. And I, th and I think that, that we really did try to make that the case. And I think it was. And, you know, and a good example of this is the top research priority was was about raising awareness. And if you look at how that fared in the, the shortlisting, you know, it was the top priority for people living with the disease, but actually it was ranked 47 by surgeons, I think about 26 by other healthcare professionals. So it really was championed and worked its way to the top by the fact that people with the disease were promoting it and, and people working with the disease were listening. And that's exactly what we hear from the side from the charity, of course. That's what people are telling us all the, the time. You know, their experience and, and the delays that they have um, is down to, you know, problems like this, that it's just not known about widely, in particular in, in um, the community, but also in the medical profession. So I can totally understand why that one came out at, on the top. And I'm not surprised by that at all. How do you think it's been received by uh, the whole community? So now including people that weren't involved directly in the process. The initiative really um, has um, found very broad support. Uh, and that's not only reflected in, you know, the, the range of uh, individuals that came, uh, came to the meeting in, in New York, but also the attention that it that it got um, when we launched it first in in our uh, webinar, um, all the way to you know um, the publications that hopefully are coming out uh, very soon that highlight uh, those priorities, and it has certainly re um, helped to build the profile of, of cervical myelopathy in the field, but also. Um, Beyond that, um, we had um, we had interest from from um, journals um, that typically don't, you know, make myelopathy uh, their their focus. Yeah, so I, I think you know we've had certainly had a very positive reaction, and I think the the launch webinar was a testament to that, and some of the things that Mark's mentioned. But you know, I think we're under no illusion that this is the beginning of quite a big challenge now, and you know, the diffusion of any innovation, uh, you know, it's got to really get going before it gains the traction that it, it can really disseminate more broadly. And and because fundamentally these questions, you know, it's it's it's, it's one thing identifying those questions, but it's, it's quite another to to try and answer them. And that's going to need a big change to 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 make that happen. And I think sort of leading on from that, of course, from the point of view of the charity, uh, in particular, priority 
priority one gives us a manifesto of you know what we want to go on and achieve we we know uh, through our work with the charity that we hear just terrible terrible stories of how um, this disease affects people's lives and within our team we were talking a lot about raising awareness and how important that would be and I think when we saw the results we were just jumping for joy and saying well isn't that fantastic that the top priority the thing that is most important is this raising awareness because it now gives us you know like I say this this sort of green card to move forward and start with this difficult process of um, trying to get this disease more widely known uh, so that the the situation for everybody that finds themselves with it is is improved. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, a manifesto. I think that's that's perhaps how we, how we should look at this. So, as you mentioned, Ben, uh, the next big challenge for uh, this group is going to be to get these uh, priorities attacked and start to look at how to best uh, answer them. So, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on on how you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Mark, feel feel free to chip in at any point. I mean, I think this is the next key step. And, and whilst the AOSpine Recode DCM project continues, and there are some other objectives that we'll hopefully conclude later this year, in terms of the priorities, I think you know, it's really about how we get this message out there, both to the research community that are currently engaged in myelopathy, potential researchers who might not necessarily be involved in myelopathy, but have a skill set that they can bring to answer those research questions. But also fundamentally, research is driven by financial investment. And that's something that we that we really desperately need to change. I think there's a platform called Dimensions, uh, which is a company which has a, a library of all of the major grant funders uh, around the world. And, and if you if you plug degenerative cervical myelopathy into that database, you can see that only around $35 million has been, been awarded in grants in the last decade for cervical myelopathy, which is, you know, 2% of what diseases like multiple sclerosis or motor neuron disease or even traumatic spinal cord injury receive. And that's something that's really got to change if we're going to get these these questions answered. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree, Ben. I think the, there's three challenges. Um, the first one is uh, recognition. And that's really, uh, the, the earnest of this is really on us. Now that we know and we have more clarity. We need to be able. We need to communicate that clarity, um, and uh, inspire people, uh, which is then leads to the second uh, um, step, which is adoption. So we need to. The message needs to be inspiring enough that people start to you know rally around it uh, and buy into those ideas. And I think the process, because it was so inclusive, um, will help us uh, tremendously. Uh, and then the third step is implementation, where, uh, as Ben said, we need the funders to recognise uh, that this is a serious problem that needs uh, investment. And I think that's the aim, or one of the aims of this podcast series, is really to provide a different perspective on, you know, why these questions are important, and you know, some of the some of the stories that are going to be aired. So, you know, this podcast series is going to essentially have an episode per research priority. We're going to hear from some of the leading scientists and, and clinical researchers giving their perspective on, you know, what, what happens today and what should happen in the future, but also incorporates the experiences of people living with the disease that can really and quite emotively describe, you know, why this question matters. And that really hopefully is is part of inspiring the research community to to respond. The biggest struggle will be to advocate for and on behalf of cervical myelopathy. The, the fact that um, the 
research priorities have been established now uh, will provide a fantastic um, opportunity for research funders to focus their research. Once you have priorities, you know, um, they are recognized. The funding infrastructure in the UK, especially from the NIHR, really takes into consideration those research priorities. And I think just to add on to Mark's point, you know, one of the, the priorities is trying to define the socioeconomic impact of, of myelopathy, which today is, you know, fundamentally uncharacterized. I think that is a, you know, it's a key knowledge gap. It's a key ingredient that you need to try and try and engage funders and, and persuade them that this is something, something worth investing in. And of course, I'd like to say a huge thanks uh, to everyone who helped uh, make this such a successful um, process um, in terms of the priority set- setting uh, exercise. I would like to point out um, Tor to Grundland, who has been our moderator and steered us all towards that consensus. Um, I'd, say, I'd like to say a huge thanks to Malopathy.org for all their support and buy-in, uh, and of course, um, the main reason why we are all together here. Huge thanks also to the AO Spine and my colleagues in the Knowledge Forum who have provided, you know, invaluable input and guidance uh, and uh, leveraged their networks. But also a big thanks for the funding that we've received by the AO. And uh, finally, um, a, a massive thanks to the um, management committee and especially also Ben who's really been putting all the details together, made sure that the process was running um, to such high standards. Uh, Hugely impressed. Well, well, thank you. I mean, it's very much a team effort and I'm thankful very much to have two uh, very keen um, uh, researchers with us in Cambridge and Danielle Kahn and Oliver Moforth, who've who've been instrumental in driving lots of the process along. Obviously, I mentioned Dr. Lindsay Tetro, who is our information specialist. From, from myloppy.org specifically, we had Ellen Sarowitz and Ewan Sadler uh, really helping to provide their perspective from a lived experience side. And of course, from the AO Spine, Spinal Cord Injury Knowledge Forum, uh, the forum manager, Olesia Hasenbiller, who's been really key to driving this process day by day and, and making sure we meet our milestones. Uh, and uh, and finally, also a big thanks to Elizabeth and Carl, who, who came all the way to uh, the US, uh, record our sessions Uh, and really are fundamentally making sure that uh, the process uh, gets the kind of recognition that it deserves. So, Michelle, what did you think about all that? Well, I thought it gave a really good um, overview of the process of the AO Spine Recode DCM project, um, how it was set up and, and what was involved in getting to these top 10 priorities. No, I think hopefully it has done and it's conveyed that to the audience. I mean, I think the really key messages I hope came across is that this is something that can only work and be solved by everyone coming together. So that's people working with, but also living with the disease, but also across the globe, because everyone's got slightly different perspectives in their own own environment. Uh, And hopefully we've really been able to galvanize that and, 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 and bring those answers together in those final top research questions and of course we've been grateful to be you know managed a bit by the james lind alliance you've obviously got a lot of pedigree and experience in how this process can work and um yeah i'm hopefully really pleased with the with the outcome 
Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting and obviously very important for the field. Um, I think the challenge now that you've got them is going to be sort of making people aware of these priorities um, and how to go about answering them. That's exactly right. And I think we're looking at any and all means to try and get that message out there. And for that purpose, in the next 10 episodes of this podcast in association with AO Spine, we're going to be hearing from leading international researchers, such as Dr. Michael Failings and Dr. Brian Kwan, but also people living with the disease in order to highlight exactly why each question was prioritised and potentially how it could be addressed. So in the meantime, if you want more information about uh, DCM or you're looking for support, then you can find us on myelopathy.org. There's also more information there about the AO Spine Recode DCM project, um, how to get involved. And if you would like to look at that, then please visit aospine.org forward slash recode. And once again, a big thank you to everyone who has contributed to the research so far. And of course, AO Spine and particularly the Spinal Cord Injury Knowledge Forum has really been driving this project. And we hope in the next 10 episodes, we can really showcase exactly why these priorities matter. So it just remains to say thank you very much to Mark Cotter for joining us on today's episode. This podcast was researched by Elizabeth Roberts and produced by Carl Homer for Cambridge TV. The research priorities for myelopathy are now available at aospine.org forward slash recode. If you've got a question about myelopathy, we would love to get it answered on the podcast. Please tell us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash myelopathy. That's also where you'll find a link to join our support group. There's lots of information also and support to be found on our website, myelopathy.org. We'll be back next week for the first item, the number one top priority, that is raising awareness. So don't miss out. In order not to miss out, why don't you subscribe on your favourite podcast app? Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.